The Green Bay Packers have extended the contract of left tackle David Bakhtiari, securing the blind side of quarterback Aaron Rodgers for years to come. So who's next on the extension list? We'll ask Nathan Yonke of ProFootballFocus.com. It's all coming up on Railbird Central next. Railbird Central at Cheesehead TV. I'm your host, Brian Caravu. We're talking some Packers football this morning. We're talking about a contract extension for David Bakhtiari. That was the big news over the past 24 hours. We're going to talk more about that in the last game with our guest on the phone. Expert interview. We have Nathan Yonke of ProFootballFocus.com joining us as he does every Wednesday. Nathan, how are you doing today? Good morning, Brian. I'm doing well. How about you? Very good. Thanks, as usual, for joining us. And uh, we've got David Bakhtiari to talk about today. He received a new contract that makes him a top-five paid offensive lineman in the NFL. But, Nathan, do you think his play is commensurate with that kind of play? Well, I don't think I would call him one of the top couple offensive linemen in the NFL, but I do understand why he got paid the way he did. Um, I would be able to make an argument for him being a top 10 pass blocking left tackle at least last year but his run blocking hasn't quite improved as much as you would like so I might take someone if I had a left tackle for one game like Joe Staley who might be slightly worse off in pass protection but a lot better run blocker but and then there might be a couple other non-left tackles that deserve to be one of the top paid offensive linemen but when you look at it and offensive linemen are and everyone are getting paid more year after year after year. Um, I think he's getting paid roughly the right amount that he should be. When you compare it to someone like Eric Fisher, who got a big extension recently as well, I haven't seen the exact numbers on David Field, but I think it's right around the same ballpark. And Bakhtiari has been more accomplished so far in his career than Eric Fisher has. So when you compare two recent contracts for offensive linemen and how he plays compared to them, I think he got paid right about how much he should be. Yeah, I tend to agree with that, and we'll have more on David Bakhtiari later in the show. But Nathan, if, if we were to handicap the other offensive linemen coming up for new contracts next offseason, uh, those being J.C. Treader and T.J. Lang, who do you think the Packers will prioritize? If it was me personally, I would go with Lang, but I wouldn't be surprised if the Packers would prefer to go with Treader, mostly because of his age. Um, obviously, a lot can change over these next 15 weeks when we'll see a lot more of Treader than we've seen in the past. But up to this point, Treader's played very well. Uh, he looked good last year, and in the first game this year, disallowed one hurry in the past game and looked good as a run blocker as well. So. Uh, with the Packers wanting to build more towards the future, I wouldn't be surprised if they go Treader. Uh, with how much uh, offensive, interior offensive linemen get paid, 
compared to offensive tackles, I wouldn't be surprised if the Packers are able to bring back and afford both of them. But if the Packers were to prioritize one over the other, my guess is it would be better. Yeah, it could end up being a tough decision, although it could also depend on how the rest of the season plays out. We will see. Nathan, one more guy that's playing in the final year of his contract is running back Eddie Lacy. And there's also just been a ton of attention on him in the offseason because of his weight. You know, if we go back to the season opener now, how did he fare in the game against uh, the Jaguars? I think he had a fine game. It wasn't Lacey at his best, but wasn't Lacey at his worst either. Uh, he was able to break one nice long run, also a nice 17-yard catch, a couple other good runs as well. Um, only three of them went for first downs, but some of the runs where he didn't gain too many yards weren't always his fault. So um, with Lacey, I think if he played like that the rest of the year, the Packers could definitely live with that kind of play, but I'm guessing it's not the kind of play that if Lacey kept it up, would be warranting a big extension for him. Yeah, we'll have more discussion later in the show about who's next in line for the next contract extension for the Packers. But for now, we're talking to Nathan Yonke of ProFootballFocus.com here at Railbird Central on a Wednesday morning. Nathan, uh, based on one game, can you draw any conclusions how Jared Cook and Richard Rodgers will be utilized by the Packers at the tight end position this season? My only real takeaway at this point is that Cook started and got a little bit more playing time, but the situation seems pretty fluid and can definitely change as the season goes on if one of the two tight ends is playing a lot better than the other. Um, a lot of teams that don't have one clear tight end they use on every snap, a lot of times it'll be someone that's used more in the passing game and then someone else who's used more in the running game. Uh, for example, Jacksonville in this game, Julius Thomas ran more pass routes than he did run blocks where Mercedes Lewis had more run blocks and pass routes. But the Packers really just kind of seem to use the two of them interchangeably, going back and forth between the two with no clear situation where one was used over the other. So my guess is that um, if one of them is able to emerge as the better tight end, the Packers will be able to in the future just use that one a lot more and sub in the other a lot less. I don't know if you have the numbers right in front of you at this moment. Did they use any two tight end sets that, or how often did they use two tight end sets that they were both on the field at the same time? I don't have the numbers right in front of me, but from what I remember, it wasn't much at that off. Okay, okay. Yeah, I don't remember seeing it much uh, either. Um, but uh, turning our attention to the defensive side of the football, Nathan, I noticed Clay Matthews was the lowest graded defender by Pro Football Focus after the game. Uh, I know he had a couple missed tackles, but I personally thought his good plays outweighed the bad. How do you see that breaking down? Sure. Uh, we had him first off in the pass rushing game. We had him as two total pressures on 33 pass rushers which those numbers by themselves aren't that good. You would expect an edge rusher to be able to generate a little bit more pressure. But then the two pressures he generated weren't that impressive out of Matthews. Uh, the first one was a play where Blake Bordeaux basically abandoned the clean pocket to run to his right. So Matthews didn't really have to beat his block. He just saw Bordeaux run right by him and was able to start chasing him. And then Bordeaux ended up throwing the ball away. And then the other one, his sack, it was a play where um, it was Nick Perry was able to push the right tackle back into the quarterback. Joe Thomas was able to put, push the running back into the quarterback. 
so Bordeaux's only place to go was backwards and to the left, which was basically right into play Matthews. So that's how Matthews ended up getting a sack. So uh, pass rushing Matthews never ended up really uh, getting the best out of an offensive tackle to get pressure on the quarterback. Uh, then in the run game, like you said, he had the two missed tackles. Uh, he did have one really nice tackle for a loss um, early on in the game. But outside of that, uh, the other tackle he had, it was a play where Jacksonville already gained the first down. And then the very next play uh, was a run to the outside. Matthews was blocked to the inside. So um, he did have the one nice play in the run game. But outside of that, uh, I didn't think he was all that impressive. Another guy who struggled against Jacksonville, cornerback Quinn Rollins, that, you know, likewise, not to say every play was bad by Quinn Rollins, but he definitely had probably more down than up this game. Uh, Do you kind of put that in the category of a bad day, or could this be the beginning of a bad trend? Something that I think is especially notable now that Sam Shields uh, has a concussion, Quinn Rollins could be playing even more. I think I would put it more in the category of a bad game. I wouldn't push the panic button on him yet. Uh, he definitely had a couple of few poor plays in coverage that were clear. That's a couple of big plays. But there were also some good plays in the game that make me think that he could have more of that in the future. Um, early on in the game when Joe Thomas, I think it was, had his interception, uh, part of that was because Rollins was doing a good job in coverage, uh, helped bat the ball away from Lee, which got into Thomas's hands. And then right at the end of the game, uh, there was a deep pass into the end zone. Uh, Rollins was alone in coverage and did a great job knocking the ball away in the end zone. So um, that was enough good plays out of him that I think uh, we could see more of that good in the future without seeing as much of the bad. So while I'm definitely not arguing it was a good game out of Rollins, I think there was enough good that um, we shouldn't worry too much. I hope that's the case, because like I said, he could be playing even more, and so could other guys like Ladarius Gunter uh, with with Sam Shields injured. We kind of wait and see how that situation develops. Uh, Nathan, before we let you go, a little preview of this upcoming Sunday's game against the Minnesota Vikings. I I, I think the quarterback situation has gotten a lot of tension, Minnesota, but could you give us some other players who, uh, who to watch out for on the Vikings roster in advance of this Week 2 game? Sure. Um, on the Vikings offense, all of the players are players that you probably know already. Um, Adrian Peterson really didn't have a great week one, but uh, he could definitely bounce back. Uh, Stefan Diggs, Kyle Rudolph are probably their biggest weapons in the past game, but um, they've gotten enough coverage over the years as well. But the Vikings defense, um, in this day and age of free agency where players are moving around all the time, the Vikings did a remarkable job this offseason keeping the defense intact. Basically, all of their players that contributed last year uh, were even on the field are still on the roster, most of them still seeing significant playing time. Uh, just to name a couple, Lindahl Joseph at nose tackle, one of the best nose tackles in the game, so that'll give Treader a real test. Uh, Anthony Barrett, linebacker, has been one of the best linebackers in the game, and you can make a case for Harrison Smith being the best safety in the game, so a lot of players in the middle of the Vikings defense that should be giving the Packers trouble. So um, definitely will be an interesting game. The quarterback will probably be what's talked about a lot, but the Vikings do have a lot of talent at a lot of different places. And being in a new stadium as well, so that'll be an interesting facet of the game. Nathan, thank you so much for uh, joining us this morning. Appreciate you talking to us as always, and uh, we'll talk to you again next week to wrap up the game.
Thanks again for having me. Enjoy the rest of the week. All right. Take care. Nathan Yonke of ProFootballFocus.com joining us as he does every Wednesday on the show. And it just, uh, by the way, uh, I, I always love how Nathan doesn't shy away for, from the tough questions. Like, I know uh, a lot of people thought Clay Matthews had a very good game uh, against the Jaguars in week one. I personally, like I said, I I thought the good outweighed the bad with with, with Clay Matthews and you know, uh, profootballfocus.com, I think, takes a lot of heat when they say, you know, he had the lowest grade among the Packers' defensive players. And I, I, I give Nathan credit for justifying, you, you know, why they he got that grade. So, um, you know, not going to see eye-to-eye on 100% of the things, but uh, I think uh, we do see eye-to-eye on nearly, you, you know, or, you, you know, I, I think that, the large majority of the time you kind of understand and agree why they do things the way they do. And if you have one thing once in a while, I don't think it's a bad thing. So uh, anyway, uh, continuing on with the show here. Packers news of the day. All right. Left tackle David Bakhtiari has signed a contract extension on Tuesday worth in excess of $51 million, according to a report by Tom Silverstein of the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. Although exact details and the year-by-year breakdown still have yet to be revealed. Uh, The deal does, however, reportedly include $17 million in guaranteed money and an additional $10.7 million in March roster bonuses and workout pay. Uh, it averages $12 million per season, uh, and that new deal puts Bakhtiari among the top five highest-paid offensive linemen in the NFL on a per-year basis. All right, so my two cents on the topic here. Had you asked me last week who the next player to sign a contract extension with the Green Bay Packers would be, I would have said David Bakhtiari, and I don't think that's going out on a limb. After releasing Josh Sitton in final roster cutdowns, the Packers needed some security along the offensive line, especially with two other starters in the the final year of their respective contracts as well, those players being J.C. Treader and T.J. Lang, as we previously talked about. Now, as far as the contract being worth it, That's a question almost impossible to answer because players in the first four years of service in the NFL are locked into their rookie contracts and typically aren't a part of that highest paid equation unless they're a first overall draft choice or something like that. Or like Bakhtiari, they get an extension after three years. Uh, So, I mean, it's so tough to judge that and that alone. Now, is Bakhtiari a top five lineman in the NFL performance-wise? Probably not. Just, I'd kind of agree, like, just like uh, Nathan Yankee just told us. Uh, but is he worth the contract he just agreed to? To that, I'd say yes. Uh, if he keeps providing what he's been providing for the last three years, that's worth it to the Green Bay Packers. As a player... I think we know what David Bakhtiari is by now. He's a very good pass protector with good feet. He's able to slide and shuffle. 
Is he going to pitch a shutout every game and never give up a sack? No. So don't expect that. I can't stand when, you know, somebody will give up one or two sacks and like all of a sudden all the boo birds come out. No tackle in the NFL does that. No lineman in the NFL does that. They don't pitch shutouts every single game. Should you should you expect a shutout occasionally? Absolutely. But, you know, the next time he gives up a sack, you know, you'll see like, you know, boneheads come out on Twitter or social media. The next time David Bakhtiari gives up a sack, like, oh, great. You know, that's that's what we paid all the money for. I can't stand comments like that when you can't see the forest through the trees and and look at one play in isolation and, and base a ju- judge a guy's total value based upon one play. That's dumb. <laughs> don't do that. Uh, and and I would say most people don't. You know, to be fair, you know, I think most people, you know, uh, are are a better judge than that. Uh, to to you know come out and and react harshly to to one single play now uh, just, to be fair here is is David Bakhtiari the most dominating run blocker in the NFL definitely not but I will say this he seems to get a little bit better in that department every year not not a ton but I think he's gotten a little bit better you know every year since his rookie year I think he Rookie year in the NFL, obviously, I think the 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 book on him was that he didn't quite have the requisite strength, and I think you saw in the off season after his rookie year, I, I think he probably realized that hit the weights pretty hard. I think it got a little bit better his second year in the NFL. I think it got a little bit better his third year in the NFL, based upon what we saw in the first game this past week. I tend to say maybe it even got a little better his fourth year in the NFL, although. We're definitely working on a small sample size in the fourth season here. Um, you know, if he just keeps making little strides like that, he becomes more of a technician and learn what works and what doesn't. I think he's become a very capable run blocker. Not a dominating one, but a capable one. The biggest issue with Bakhtiari is the penalties. You know, he was the highest penalized player on the team in each of the last two seasons, if I'm correct. And that's got to start coming down for a veteran. Now, the same thing that applies to the sacks here, is he never going to have another penalty again? No. (laughs) So be realistic in those expectations. But if Bakhtiari decreases the penalties from double digits over the course of a whole season to just a handful, that's exactly what you want. And I think he's capable of that. I, I see no reason that a veteran now in his fourth year can't start, you know, have the penalties come down a bit. Uh, so I, I I just expect the penalties to be fewer and further between for David Bakhtiari. So congratulations to David Bakhtiari on the new contract. He's much richer right now. I think it's well-deserved. And I think it's going to serve the Packers well uh, now and into the future. Now, as as far as who's next, who's the next player to receive a contract extension for the Packers? I I think the team, the franchise, is in wait-and-see mode. 
And I don't think they're going to extend anyone else until the end of the season at the earliest. And that might not happen at all. It mightn't be until the offseason until the Packers extend anyone else. You know, it's, it's, it's difficult, you know, to kind of go through the candidates here. Who might be next? Because I get, I, I'm, if I had to guess, if I absolutely had to guess right now, I would say J.C. Treader. But, you know, take that with a grain of salt because just like I think the Packers are in wait-and-see mode, I am as well. I, I want to see how the season plays out before I extend anyone else. Uh, but just to go through the candidates here, uh, I think it's difficult seeing Eddie Lacy getting another long-term contract with the Packers. Uh, I think the team could give him a very nice one- or two-year extension, maybe kind of like Jermichael Finley, if you want to uh, compare those two. Uh, I, I mean, I think some things are apt and some things are not. Uh, but I just don't see like a four-year deal for Eddie Lacy coming anytime soon. Um, now, that could change if he ends up having a great 2016 season. Maybe he is that guy who by the end of the year, the Packers the might, might extend. But by no means am I guaranteeing that. In fact, I would tend to think that would be unlikely. J.C. Treader, uh, I don't think the Packers are going to extend anytime soon because he's basically the, in the first year as a full-time starter in this Packers offense at the center position. And who knows, he could even change positions when Corey Lindsley comes back and moves to guard. <coughs> Pardon me. I think the Packers want to see how this season plays plays itself out, you know, as as J.C. Treader plays game in and game out more or less over the course of the whole season. And, and I think that's why they're going to wait a while before they make him the next guy to get a contract extension. So... You know, they they just want a bigger sample size from him. They they want to see, is he going to hold up, first of all? He had some injuries early in his career. And then they want to see how, what level of player he is. I mean, is he is he just an average one? Is he above average one? Is he a really good one? And we just don't know right now, after, you know, one game into the 2016 season, where J.C. Treader is. And then we've got T.J. Lang, uh, the you know the elder statesman of the offensive line. And as the elder statesman, I I think the Packers want to see if he remains healthy because he's dealt with you know injuries over the course of his career, and and by and large he's played through them to his credit. Uh, but you know you also get into that area where okay. You got to be really cautious when you give a guy his third contract in the NFL. Not to say you can't do it. The Packers have done it, and obviously other teams have. You, you just got to be, if you're going to make him highly paid, you, you just got to make sure that you're getting a guy who is healthy and who you think is going to, you know, continue to remain to be a good player at least for a few years. So. I don't know how long of a deal you want to give T.J. Lang in the next contract he gets. Uh, but like I said, I, I just don't think, you know, we're going to see another player receive a contract extension in the next two, three, four weeks. I think we're looking at the end of the season at the earliest. 
uh, to see if these guys get through it and how they play throughout the 2016 season. So there's your candidates. Like I said, if I had to guess right now, J.C. Treader be the next guy, but by no means is is that guaranteed. That this is wait and see mode right now. That's that's the big thing. Wait and see mode, and we just see how they play. See how they play. Um, in other news, uh, the Green Bay Packers also revealed their color rush uniforms to be all white for a Thursday night game against the Chicago Bears in October. I believe people first started finding out about this when the official Nike website began selling Packers Color Rush products. Um, But with the first Color Rush game this upcoming Thursday, teams across the NFL started revealing their colors more or less in unison uh, on social media and their own websites and their own pro shops like the Packers have. So... Uh, kind of came across, you know, in, in several formats over the past day or two or three or whatever it is. Um, I, I, you know, I found it interesting in an article by Rich Ryman of the Green Bay Press-Gazette that the Packers were one of six teams in the NFL that chose white for their colors, um, their, for their color rush uniforms. And, and, and basically for all future color rush games, and and they'll ne- and they'll never schedule those six teams or those those other five teams to play one another in a color rush game. So I just found that interesting that the league is kind of being inflexible in that regard. I, I'm not really sure why that is. Whether why they're so hell bent on being one color and one color only a year or two down the road. Uh, you know why? Why can't the Packers go all green in a future game? I, why that is, I'm not really sure. They, but uh, that's that's what's being reported here and, and confirmed by a representative in the Packers organization, according to the article. So, so there you go. I know the team is all, the Packers are already sh- selling color rush gear, and uh, in a few weeks, a little more than a month down the road. We'll see them in action if if you're into that, that sort of thing. Um, in other news, uh, Packers head coach Mike McCarthy acknowledged Sam Shields has been placed in the concussion protocol. But for more on that, we turn to our next segment. The day ahead. All right, so the Packers will release their first injury report of the week on Wednesday. And I think the most notable name on the list will be Sam Shields, of course. Um, I think it's inevitable you're going to see him in the did-not-practice category. But the bigger question is, how long is he going to remain there? (laughs) In fact, this could become a much bigger long-term issue uh, after being held out for a month or so last season with a concussion which wasn't his first in the NFL. Uh, I don't think we'll know a whole lot more until the end of the week at the earliest. And even then, I think that's premature. Uh, I personally don't expect Sam Shields to play this week against the Vikings, but I'm not a doctor, so we'll see. Maybe it was rather minor, and I'm not sure whether you can kind of when a person suffers their, you know, second, third, fourth concussion, I'm, I'm not sure you can call that minor anymore. Um, 
you know, that's it's it's just a, a really big concern about his long term health. I'm I'm not ready to say, well, Sam Shields is is done for his career already, uh, but I think they're definitely going to be cautious here. And uh, yeah, so uh, you know, almost certainly, I don't think we're going to see him practice today. Uh, I think there's a very good chance, you know, he's not going to play this week. Beyond that, you know, we kind of wait and see for the time being. You know, how are the Packers going to replace Sam Shields? I, I would tend to think it's going to be Demarius Randall and Quentin Rounds as your perimeter corners. Um, I think you're going to see Micah Hyde and um, Ladarius Gunter as the slot corners, perhaps. Although, we'll see. Um, you know, all those guys got playing time in the first game, but... Uh, some of them didn't play all that well, like Rollins and, and Gunter in, in limited time didn't play all that well, so a lot more is going to be expected out of them. But anyway, so uh, I anticipate Shields being on the injury report on Wednesday, and, and we'll see if any of the other players with injuries have made any progress. Guys like safety Chris Banjo and linebacker J. Ron Elliott, neither of whom played in the the first game of the year, the first regular season game. So we'll see how they're doing Get an update on them. Uh, Mike McCarthy will hold a press conference at 10.30 a.m. Central Time, so not too much further from now if you're listening to the live edition of the show. That'll be streamed live on Packers.com, uh, but because it's before practice, I don't think he'll have a whole lot to say on the injury front. Uh, although he may know by then whether or not someone like Shields will be practicing or not by then, at least as far as Wednesday goes. So you may get a small update from Mike McCarthy in that regard. But uh, so that's that. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening to today's episode of Railbird Central here at Cheesehead TV. Thanks to Nathan Yankee of ProFootballFocus.com for being our guest on today's show. In fact, we already have our guest lined up for Friday, John Adias of the Mike Heller Show, a producer for the Mike Heller Show uh, on the Big 1070 in Madison, the Big 920 in Milwaukee. He's going to join us uh, and preview the Vikings game. I know John is a Vikings fan, so it'll be interesting to get his perspective before the Sunday night football game in the opening of U.S. Bank Stadium in Minneapolis. Uh, that'll be fun. So we'll talk to him on Friday. And uh, that does it, folks. My call to action, as always, as usual, if you've not done so already, please give us a rating and a review on iTunes. It's the one small thing we ask. This show is free of charge, no subscription, no paywall. So if you could do us a solid, go to iTunes, search Cheesehead TV, and it'll pop right up. Uh, Give us that five-star rating and a brief little review. doesn't have to be anything long, uh, but we greatly appreciate it because it helps get word out about the show. We think it's a service to Packers fans, this being the longest-tenured Internet-exclusive podcast on the Packers on the whole Internet. Um, over 700 episodes and counting. So let fellow Packers fans know. Uh, and we'll see you folks. See you Friday. Have a good Wednesday for the time being. And we'll talk to you again in just uh, two days from now. On behalf of everybody at Cheesehead TV, I'm Brian Kirvu. I leave you today with a song called In the Kitchen by Umphreys McGee on Sci Fidelity Records. See you everyone. Go Pack Go.
Oh